Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. I'm getting a lot on the Red Sea these days. I think we've... I think we've come to the edge of the waters. It's time to see God move and split this thing. How many people need a Red Sea split in your life? Yeah. But Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Now here's here's the children of Israel. They've come. They've been following the Spirit of God as He's been leading them out of Egypt, where they've been slaves, where they've been in bondage to the Egyptians. He's leading them out into liberty because he's a God of freedom. He's a God of liberty. God is not a God of tyranny. God is not a God of bondage. God is not an oppressor. Anything that oppresses of the devil. In fact, in Acts chapter 10, I believe it's verse 38, Peter stood up at a man's house by the name of Cornelius and he began to preach, preach the gospel. And he said, concerning Jesus, that he went about doing good and healing all those who are oppressed by the devil. Notice that. They were oppressed by who? See, it wasn't God. And I got news for you. God is not in the business of using demons to do his work. God doesn't send out demons to do his dirty work. There is no dirty work in God, but devils are dirty. That's why Jesus called them unclean spirits. They're unclean. There's nothing unclean about God. So there's no partnership. There's no fellowship. There's no communion between God and demons. And we need to know very well the difference between a work of God and the work of demons, the work of the devil. And so Here, Peter said, Jesus went about doing good and healing. Well, we know that, don't we? You read read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you see the life of Jesus. That's exactly what he did. He went about doing good and healing. Healing. And it wasn't just some kind of weird spiritual healing. I mean, he healed people. People had physical problems. Everything from a fever to being crippled. Born, missing body parts. I mean, Jesus healed people physically. And it says that he went about doing good and healed all those who were oppressed of the devil. So we know right there that all sickness, all disease that Jesus healed people of are works of the devil. And they are called demonic oppression. People that are sick are oppressed. Those that are oppressed, not by God, by the devil. God's the great liberator. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is no oppression. There is freedom. God's a God of liberty. Where he is, where he is in manifestation, there is freedom. Where the devil is in manifestation, there's oppression. Sickness and disease is one of those kinds of oppression of the devil. So Jesus came to set us free from the works of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy oppression. 
Anybody that's an oppressor is not yielding to the Spirit of God. Anybody that tries to oppress people's lives is yielding to demons, is yielding to the devil. But God, if you're yielding to him, then you are a liberator. You're in the business of setting captives free. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's the business I'm in, praise God. I'm in the business of setting captives free. Don't you like that? I'm in the, I'm in the business of destroying the works of the devil. And we can do it because we have the name of Jesus. It's an unfailing name. The power in the name of Jesus never fails. We're going to walk in that power. And we're going to cast out demons. We're going to set captives free. That's what we've been called to do. How many people know there's a lot of people experiencing oppression? There's a lot of people being harassed by demons. Well, the Bible tells us we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. You and I should be very well aware of that. And understand, see, now that's the devil at work. See, we don't just look at flesh and blood. We don't just listen to doctor's reports and look at x-rays. And we don't just look at things going on in the various different arenas of life and just see humans and just see flesh and blood. We see the spirit realm. We understand there's more going on than what meets our physical eyes. There's a whole lot more going on. And so because we're not ignorant of Satan's device, it makes it very hard for him to oppress us. In fact, we just aren't going to let him. He isn't going to oppress me. I've made it in my mind. Devil ain't going to oppress me. How about you? Why don't you just say that? You know, we got to say things like that, right? We got to say things. Our words precede us. They go before us. They make the way for us. So we need to be speaking these things. Don't just hold these things in your heart. Bless God. Let the word of faith rise up on the inside of you. And say, the devil ain't going to oppress me. I'm not going to let the devil oppress me for one day. No, no, no. I'm not going to let the devil oppress me for a half a day. Not even for a half a day. In fact, I'm not going to let the devil oppress me for three hours. In fact, I'm not going to give him three minutes. In fact. Why would we even give him three seconds? Let's not give the devil any place in our life. Let's not give him any attention and allow him to do any of his dirty work in our life. Let's just walk in the liberty by which Christ Jesus has set us free. And let's get the news out to others and let's set these captives free. Let's help people. Let's bring in healing and deliverance to others. Because again, God, when he does something, this almighty, all-powerful God, when he does something, he does it through people. You know, I'm just done with the little religious statements that are out there. People walk around and say, God don't need a man. God can just do it. God don't need a man. God don't. No, you got that totally wrong. God uses people. He so much needed a man that he himself became a man in the person of Jesus. That's how much God needs a man to get things done in the earth. If, if, the, if God didn't become a man in the person of Jesus, then all those healings, would they have happened? Would all those deliverances, would they have happened? Would all those demons have been cast out of people that were, that were cast out through Jesus? No. He needs a man. So he became a man. But even before that, going back into the Old Testament, God needed a man. We talk about the Red Sea being split. We talk about God dividing the sea. But you know what? God needed a man to do that. See, God wants to be in partnership with us. God, the devil possesses people. He just takes them over, see, when, when somebody's not looking. 
They're not paying attention, see, and they're just giving place to the devil. The devil, if he can, he'll just, he'll just overcome their mind, overcome their thoughts, overcome their emotions. He'll overcome their whole life if he can, and he'll possess them. God doesn't possess people. God will partner with people. You have to seek him. You have to draw near to him. You have to pursue him. You have to be faithful to him, be committed to him, to his word. And when you are, you can become a partner with God. Ooh, hallelujah. Now, that's, a, that's an awesome partnership where God is able to do awesome things in the earth through his people, through his people. But even at the Red Sea, he needed Moses. I've got news for you. The Red Sea did not split apart from God using a man. And the man was Moses. And here they are at the Red Sea. And we'll just pick it up in verse 13. Most of you know the story. I mean, Pharaoh and his army, the oppressors, they're chasing the Israelites down. God just did this awesome deliverance, brought them out of Egypt. And the Egyptians just, they just, they're beside themselves with hatred and anger. And they're determined to destroy the children of Israel, the children of God. So they're out after them. They're pursuing them. And so the children of Israel, they're following the Lord, and they get between these two mountains, and as they come out into the clearance, there's a Red Sea in front of them. So they got this Red Sea in front of them. They got Pharaoh and his army coming up behind them, just ready to slaughter them all, or bring a whole bunch of them back into Egypt, make them slaves again. And here they are, and they're in a panic situation. But Moses, you know, he keeps his composure. He doesn't have a clue of how they're going to get through. This is how they're going to get out of this. And so uh, he said to the people, verse 13, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. That's the first mistake Moses made. Now, it was, it was good advice there. He said, he said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. But then he missed it. And he said, stand still, don't do anything. And just watch what God does. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Second mistake. A lot of folks are standing still waiting for God to do things for them when in reality God does things through us more than he does things for us. He accomplished things in our life as we yield ourselves to him. See, that's all a part of faith. Faith without works is dead. See, just standing still doing nothing and waiting to see the salvation of God is dead. It's dead. Nothing's going to happen. You'll sit there and you'll sit there and you're just waiting for God to do it. God's going to take care of everything. God's going to do it. God's going to take care of everything. Got nothing to do with us. God don't need a man. God is God. He's the almighty God. Well, he is. That's why I get to preach in that part. I mean, he's the almighty God. He's an awesome God. Mm. Stand still. Just sit back, relax. God's going to do it all. No. See, Moses missed it there. God's not looking to do things for us as much as he's looking to do things through us. It's a partnership. 
See, that's what faith is. Faith partners with God. Faith is a partnership with God. So let's look at it again. He says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Now he's talking prophetic. He's got some insight of what's going to happen. He's got that right. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. In other words, be quiet. Well, yeah, if you're going to speak the wrong thing, you need to be quiet. But we don't want to just be quiet. We want to speak the right things. We want to speak the right things. So Moses is saying some things. He's got some of it right. Verse 13. And the Lord said to Moses. Now let me just say here that between verse 14 and verse 15, there's some time that has gone by. We don't know how long. Moses standing very confident, saying, stand still. You see the salvation of God. Don't be afraid of anything. Don't worry about anything. And then verse 15 says, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Why do you cry? So apparently he got to crying out to God. In other words, it got, the pressure got pretty intense. You see what I'm saying? So he's saying, be still, be quiet. Not a problem. He's holding his composure. Everything's cool. And Pharaoh's getting closer. Now we're hearing the hoofbeats. Now we're hearing, now we're hearing the people in the, towards the back really start to freak out. You know, Pharaoh is getting really, really close. And it's high tide. And the waves have only gotten bigger. So now Moses is like, okay. And apparently, he starts crying out to God. God. God! We need your help. We need your help, God. Have mercy on us, God. God! And whatever he was saying, we don't know. But he was crying out to God. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? You know, not all praying is pleasing to God. Not all crying out to God is pleasing to him. Well, I mean, we're praying. I prayed, I prayed all half the day today, just crying out to God. Was there faith in it? Was there any works? Was there any action to it other than just crying out to God? God obviously isn't pleased. He's like, why are you crying out to me? Well, this is what we do, God. We're church people. We pray. We cry out to God. When we're in trouble, we cry out to God. That's what we do. (laughs) Why do you do that? He says, tell the children of Israel to stand still and sit and watch my salvation. No, that's what most told him to do. But now he's crying out to God. No, no, what does God say? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. See, because that's the way the Spirit of God was leading them the whole time. They were following the cloud. They were following the Holy Spirit. They came to the Red Sea. They came to the Red Sea. They stopped. But God kept going. But they stopped. And they looked. I said, all right, hey, hey, hey. Hey, this is too big for us. God's got this. God's got it. God's got it, the miracle you desire. He's going to set your soul on fire. I don't know, something like that. haven't heard that song in a long time. God's got it. God's got it. God's got it. Well, we've got we to gotta get a hold of what God's got because 
we're working with him. Are you listening to me? So God is still leading them to go forward. But they've stopped. They've stopped. So God says, what are you doing? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. He's like, there's an ocean in front of us. There's an ocean in front of us. How could I? Go forward. There's an ocean in front of us. A lot of folks just would have just cried and died right there on the beach. But Moses obeyed. And notice it says, tell the children, and it's still not done yet. Still not done. Tell the children of Israel to go forward. So they got to do something. Split. I got news for you. The sea has not split yet. But they need to go forward into it. Verse 16. But lift up your rod. He's telling Moses to do something. The man who said, stand still and watch. God's going to do it all. Lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Huh? Yeah, let me say that again. Lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. I'll take care of the rest. You do your part, and I'll do my part. How many of you know God's got the bigger part? Our part is to believe. Our part is to believe and obey. And really, they're synonymous. Believing and obeying are one. Disobeying and disbelief are one. When we're in unbelief, we're disobedient. When we're believing, we're obeying. But you see, that's what happens. See, we come to these roadblocks. We come to things that look impossible for us. And they are for us. But we're not alone. I said, we're not alone. We're in partnership with the almighty God. And so if we're going to see the Red Sea split then there's something we're going to have to do. God gives instruction. Stretch out your rod, Moses. Reach out your hand and divide the sea. You do that. See, you stand there. You do that, and my power will back you up. See, really, it's the same thing as what it says in Mark 16. You know, Jesus gave a great commission after he rose from the dead. He's told his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, he who believes will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those that believe, verse 17. These signs will follow those who believe. Do we have any believers in the house? He said, in my name, they'll cast out demons. Now, does God want demons cast out of people? Well, it's only going to happen if those who believe in him use his name and cast the demons out. And if God wants demons cast out, he'll just cast them out. No. He'll cast them out when those who believe in him take his name and use his name. See, God is looking for partners. He's looking for folks to spread the good news about Jesus, spread the, spread the word of God, and to do the word of God. Do the word of God. He goes on, he says, they'll speak with new tongues. Verse 18, they'll take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it'll by no means hurt them. 
They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It doesn't matter how bad the condition is. He said, believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. He told Moses, stretch out your hand and divide the sea. He tells believers, stretch out your hand and drive out the demon. Drive out the sickness. Drive out the disease. Heal and cure. See, we don't want to just sit back and be in the passive mode and just singing kumbaya. God's going to take care of everything. God's got this all covered. God's going God's to do it. Well, God's going to do it through you, through your faith. Faith has action to it. Faith has corresponding action. It responds to what it believes in the Word of God. Hallelujah. Well, it sure did get quiet in here. We, we, we like to think God's just going to do everything. Well, listen, He's doing the big part. You put the hands on the person, He does the healing. He drives out the sickness. He drives out the disease, right? That you can't do that, but he can do that. But you got to get your hand on him. You got to use your faith. You got to believe what he said. And you've got to react to that, respond to what God has given you to do, what God has said. You've got to respond to that. If you do your part, which is really simple compared to God's part, then we'll see a great partnership. That will bring about a great manifestation of an awesome God. Hallelujah. Don't you want to see the awesomeness of the Almighty operating in and through your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, it goes all the way back to the very beginning when God created man. He told man, he he said, have dominion. Have dominion over the works of his hands. And then we see here in Psalm 9, or Psalm 8 rather, Psalm 8, 3. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Or my margin says, give attention to or care for. God gives attention to us. He's got all these great things that he has created. He's so awesome. The sun, the moon, the stars, all these planets. I mean, he's massive. And when you begin to think how big and how awesome he is, you think, what is man that you pay such attention to him, that you care so much about him? And does he care about us? Does he care about us? Man, God so loved the world. He's not talking about the blue marble. He's talking about the people of the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe on him would not perish, would not spend eternity in hell, but would have everlasting life. And that life starts the moment a person makes Jesus the Lord of their life. They start experiencing eternal life so that not only are they not going to hell, but hell has no place in their life here on earth. Hell cannot destroy them while they're here on the earth. That's God's will for us. Somebody say, hell has no place in my life. I forbid it according to the word of God in Jesus' name. Say, we're not going to permit it.
We're not going to permit it. Remember, remember, Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. This is over in Matthew 18, verse 18. He said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Another translation says, it says, whatever you permit will be permitted. Whatever you don't permit won't be permitted. Whatever you forbid will be forbidden. So you see, he's given us that authority to permit God to move in our life and forbid the devil from moving in our life. He's given us authority like that. So we don't want to just sit back, not use that authority, and just say, God's got it all under control. God has everything in absolute sovereign control. Well, tell that to the person that just had a car wreck. Tell the person who's, who is suffering and dying right now. Tell that to the person that just slipped out of his body and now is descending down into hell. Tell that, tell that to this, tell it to that person. All the terrible things going on in the world. And you're going to sit here and say, God is in absolute sovereign control? I mean, wake up. It's quite obvious he's not. He's not. He's put man in control. He's put a man, not on his own, but in partnership with God. He's looking for man to connect with God through Jesus so that God's will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. But it ain't happening unless we're doing our part. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you, there's a lot of good-meaning folks out there have said and done a lot of great things, but when they start saying stuff like that, you need to recognize, no, it's not all on God. I have my part to play. And so that's why we pray diligently every day to find out, Lord, what's my part? Not just to cry out to God, oh, God, oh, God, do it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? God, God, do, do, do. To think, Lord, what do you want me to do? What's my part in this? What's my part in this? Find out what your part is. God, Lord, you don't have to cry and beg God to do his part. Please, please build a bridge. Please give us a submarine. Please help us to walk on the water. Please split the sea. Lord, Lord, do something. You don't have to beg God to do anything. He's a good, good God. He's a God of liberty and freedom. He's all about it, friends. He's not slack concerning his promises. What we need to find out is what's our part. What do we need to do? Instead of sitting back and saying, God, are you going to change this? Are you going to change this? Are you going to change this? Say, Lord, is there anything else I need to do here? What do I need to do? What do I need to say? How do I need to act? What do I need to do? Some folks just, I mean, think about a lot of the folks that Jesus healed. I mean, some of them, they couldn't get up. They were cripples. And he turns to them and says, get up. Get up. Rise up. Walk. Lord, I haven't been able to. The doctor told me I could. And after this accident, that I can't. Rise up. Walk. And they had to get up. Before they felt anything or saw anything. Just like Moses was instructed to tell the children of Israel, go forward. It doesn't matter what it looks like, go. A lot of folks say, man, we're going to get wet. We're going to get wet. I'm going to ruin my hair. I mean, I don't, have, I don't have a beach attire. I don't even have a towel. And he's just, what happens if it doesn't happen? Then we're all going to sit here wet and it's getting cold. It's windy out here. We're going to sit here wet and wet clothes and everything else. No, I mean, this is crazy. Tell them to go forward. See, you got to do stuff. See, that goes beyond what you see. It's impossible according to your mind. Faith always goes against the grain. 
it always goes contrary to how things appear. It makes a way where there seems to be no way. So, yes, God Almighty is the old powerful. Does he do awesome things? Is he God of miracles? Yes, absolutely. He will be who he is all the time. We just got to be who he's called us to be. Believers. Believers. And believers are doers. They're doers of the word of God. They believe and therefore they do. They act upon the word of God. So what is man that you're mindful of him? Verse 4. And the son of man that you visit him, you take care of him, you give attention to them. For you have, I just got to say that again. You've got God's attention today. I mean, you have his attention more than you can even imagine how much of God's attention you have. And we know that because the Bible says, for one, that his thoughts, are, his thoughts towards you are more in number than all the grains of sand on the seashore. I mean, you can't fathom that. He's constantly thinking about you. They're not superficial thoughts. I mean, God's, God's got you covered. I mean, he's got your back. He sees your insides, your outsides. He knows everything about you. Every hair on your head is numbered, the Bible says. He sees. He sees you. He, he's there. He cares for you. He's watching out for you right now. You have God's uninterrupted attention as though you're the only thing that exists. I'm just telling you, that's what the Bible teaches. You've got his attention, and he cares for you. He cares for you. So do you think he just wants to let you just suffer and die and just fall prey to the devil or all these different oppressors in the world today? Huh? Just just allow you to be taken off into bondage and made slaves? No, is that he, he doesn't want that to happen, and he's very, very aware of your situation. You don't have to beg God to pay it. You don't have to scream, I need a thousand people on Facebook before they censor me. I need a thousand people to hook up with me and pray. Pray. Why? God don't hear you? He hears you. He hears you. Well, then why do we shout, Pastor? Why do we have to shout? Because But let me ask you a question. Why do you have to nag and turn up your music so loud? I mean, don't you hear it? Why do you have to have subwoofers? And why do you have to have all these speakers? Why do you have to do that? Because you like it loud. God likes it loud. You are his favorite radio station. He is just watching you, and I mean, you're like a music video to him. Woo! Hallelujah! You are his music video. There I go again. I want my... I mean, we, we are his music video, and he, he's like, can we get this thing louder? Yes, Lord, no problem. Hallelujah! Praise God! I mean, if it's really good, you want to crank it up. Right? Well, there you have it. There's your answer. Why do we shout? Because God likes it. If it's good, you might as well make it loud. If it's good, you might as well make it loud. Hallelujah! Somebody say, he cares for me. More than I care for myself. 
Yeah, because you never died for yourself. In fact, you can hardly sacrifice some things and put the flesh down for yourself. In fact, it could say right on the label, this will kill you, but you still can't give the thing up. You don't care about yourself enough. This substance will destroy your life, but you'll keep doing it. Why? Because you don't care enough about yourself to do whatever it takes to suffer to be free. But God so loved you that he suffered by giving his whole life to the torturers to be brutally beaten and take your infirmities, your sickness, your poverty, your disease, your sinfulness all upon himself. And he loves you so much that he descended down into the heart of the earth and endured the fires of hell for three days where he took the full wrath of God for sin, the full judgment for sin upon himself, paying for all your crimes. A lot of Christians today can hardly make it to church or read their Bible because it's such effort. He cares for you more than you care for you. He loves you more than you love you. He wants you in heaven more than you want to be in heaven. He wants you to have each He wants you to have the best. Don't you think you want it good and God's holding things back from you? That's a lie. You don't know God. That's not what he's like at all. God's not holding any good thing. The Bible says he'll withhold no good thing. From those who walk uprightly, we could just say those who walk by faith and not by sight. You get in faith, praise God, it's yours. If you could receive it, he'll, he's given it. I said he's already given it. He's already said it's yours. It, it belongs to you. Just go ahead, rise up. Come on, take it, take it. Take it. Why is it so hard to take it? Why is it so difficult to take it? Well, because there's a devil who's going to keep lying to you and put thoughts in your mind and temptations before you to try to distract you and hinder you from just being able to just like a little child receive from Daddy God. He makes it so difficult. He tries to complicate the whole thing. Tries to complicate the whole thing. But really with God, it's just so simple. It's just so simple. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's so simple. And we'll see that perhaps here in a little bit. Uh, but going on here in verse 5 of Psalm 8. Verse 5. For you have made him. Who? Man, mankind. A little lower than the angels. Now, this is interesting. It says the angels. But my margin tells me that the word in the Hebrew here. That's actually in the Hebrew, the original language, is Elohim, which is the same name used for God. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. So it's Elohim. So here it says, you've made him a little lower than Elohim. See, some folks have such a tough time with these things that even the translators couldn't, just couldn't do it. They couldn't, even though we use Elohim for God, we say we use God for Elohim everywhere else. Here we do, we can't do that. We're talking about man. And he's a little lower than the angels. We're not lower than the angels. The angels are lower than us. They're called in Hebrews chapter 1 ministering spirits that are sent forth to minister for those who are heirs of salvation. We are heirs of this great salvation. They minister for us. They minister for us. Not even just to us. They minister for us. 
which means if, if you're not saying anything, if you're not giving them anything to do, they ain't doing much. Because they don't just minister to you, they minister for you. In other words, they work for you. So that'd be like an employer having employees, but he never gives them anything to do. Never tells them to do anything. But he's got employees. He's got employees. They work for him, but they're not doing anything. And he's not giving them anything to do. You got angels. They work for you. They minister for those who are heirs of salvation. But they're not doing much for a lot of folks because a lot of folks aren't aware that it's up to them to give some work to their angels. What, what, what kind of work do you give them? Well, the Bible says in Psalms, I'm not sure what Psalm it is, but it says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, heeding the voice of his word. Huh? They excel in strength, heeding the voice of his word, God's word. See, we give voice to God's word, the angels heed it, and that gives them the work they need to do. So as we're declaring the word of God, as we're speaking God's word, angels heed it. Or when we're just speaking in line with God's word, angels are heeding it. They're helping us. Hallelujah. Praise God, man. Before going to bed at night, I'll just say, Lord, I thank you. You've given your angels charge over me. They keep me in all my ways. Bless the Lord, you as angels, heeding the voice of his word. Keeping watch over me, guarding this family, guarding our house, guarding the church, and on and on and on. Guarding God's people. And you just, I just pray for people and I release angels to do their work. See, that's our, that's our job. That's our part is to send the angels forth by giving voice to God's word. Can you say amen? For you have made him, mankind, a little lower than the angels, a little lower than God. Yeah, because we're sons of God. I said we're sons of God, sons and daughters of God. We're children of God. Angels aren't. They're servants. He says that in Hebrews chapter 1 too. He says, to which of the angels has he ever said, you're my son? He's never has. Angels are not sons of God. We're sons of God. So we're a little lower than God. He says, you have crowned him with glory and honor. Can somebody fix their crown, please? Make sure it's not crooked. Let's get rid of the crooked thinking. He has crowned you. Praise God, he's put a crown on your head. See, that's authority. Kings wear crowns. Queens wear crowns, don't they? That's authority. Oh, hallelujah. He has crowned him with glory and honor. God greatly honors your life. That's why he said in Psalm 91, he said, I will honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Notice you put the two together. He says, I will honor him. That's what he says first. Then he says, and with long life, I'll satisfy him. See, to honor means to esteem. So he's saying, I esteem your life in this world. I esteem your life in this world. Therefore, with long life, I'm going to satisfy. No, it's God cares about your life in this world. He cares about it. He cares about it. It's not just about heaven. It's about right now. God's got his eyes on you. God cares about you. He's here right now, tended to you. He's ready to take care of everything for you. We need to never doubt that. That's a big part of receiving from God. Walking by faith is knowing, I know God loves me. He's all over this. He's all over this situation. God's got this thing covered. 
Now, Lord, show me what I need to do. What's my part in this? Some things he doesn't have to tell me. I already know. Like, speak his word. Find out what he says in the Bible and speak it. You know, just last night, I was sitting down uh, in my basement where I was praying. And uh, I was just feeding. You know, it, was, it, was, it was interesting because something had just happened. And I went and opened up my Bible. And I started reading. And there it was. I mean, one of the exact words that I was just rolling around in my mind because I had just heard it. There it was. I mean, and God just answered it. He was all over it. I mean, I just, all I had to do is just turn aside and sit down before going to bed. Just going to sit down here and just going to take some time in, in, in the Word. And He's talking to me. Say it with me. Say, God's Word, <clears throat> the Bible, is God talking to me? So you say, Lord, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, you know? Uh, what are you going to do? And then you open up the Bible, and he shows you exactly what he's going to do. <clears throat> and I look at it, <clears throat> excuse me, I look at it as if he's sitting right there in the room with me. And he is. But I mean, physically, I can see him. And, and, and I'm, this is how I just look at it. I look at it as I can physically see God sitting in the room with me. He comes in, and he begins to speak this psalm to me that I'm reading. And the psalm is his will. And I'm just, I'm just reading his will. And it's like, he just said it to me. And I just looked across him. I said, thank you, Lord, for saying that. I believe that. Thank you for doing that. I believe you're taking care of that. You got that thing covered. I'm so grateful for that. Hallelujah. And just kind of getting carried away with it, you know, just seeing him as, as though he's sitting there right in the room with me. And I said, boy, Lord, I just wish, I wish I could just see it. You know, I wish I could see it ahead of time, you know. I no sooner said those words. I looked down at my Bible again. Now, he's been saying a lot to me about the Red Sea, too, by the way, with some of these things I'm talking to him about. I looked down. It says in verse 5, come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing towards the sons of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot. There we will rejoice in him. He rules by his power forever. His eyes observe the nations. Do not let the rebellious exalt themselves. Come on, Lord. Come on, Jesus. So, you know, you got to understand, he is all over it. He is all over the things that concern your life. That's why he said, casting all your care on him because he cares for you. Say, God cares for me. Man, he cares. Say this, he cares for me more than I care for me. So you never have to beg him for any good thing. You never have to beg him to do anything. All you got to do is do what he said. Believe him, number one. Know that it's true. Believe the things you're hearing this morning. Know that it's true that God's in the chair with you. He's right there in you. He's yours. You belong to him. You're one together. Come on, somebody. You got to see that. Recognize the position you are in, in this life right now. 
He has crowned you with glory and honor. The glory of God is the manifested awesomeness of the Almighty. I mean, his awesomeness is ready to go. He's ready to do awesome things through your life. You'd never be lonely again. How could you ever worry? If you start feeling worried, you got to get yourself back over into faith and recognize the God of heaven, the almighty God, the all-powerful God. He is in me. He is with me. He cares all about me. I don't have to explain things twice to him. He heard it before I even asked for it. But I still ask because that's my part in the partnership is to open my mouth and ask. Because he said, you have not because you ask not. Yet Jesus said, your heavenly father knows what you have need of before you ask. But you still have to do your part. See, it isn't just your heavenly father knows what you have need of, period, done. No, no, no. You have still have to ask. Why? Because faith needs to be in your heart and in your mouth. It needs to be in your walk. It needs to be in your talk. It needs to be in everything you do. We live by faith. So we live like we really believe this God is with us. He's, man, he's with me. You just don't want to mess, me, mess with me. I just believe he's, he's with me more than he was with Abraham. Abraham wasn't born again. And, and, and you know what he said to Abraham, don't you, in Genesis chapter 12? He said, I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who curse you. So don't mess with me. Now, I say that, but you need to have that attitude. You need to have the same attitude to say, don't mess with me. Don't mess with me, devil. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, just the other day, I, and I've said this many times, but just the other day, I said, I said, devil, you mess with me. You're poking God in the eye. Because the Bible says, he who touches you touches the apple. Literally, it means the pupil of his eye. Now, you don't want, you don't want to be pu- hitting God in the pupil of his eye. You understand that? That is not smart. Last I read, his eyes are like flames of fire, man. You're going to get yourself fried. So don't mess with me. See, I say these things. Do you say these things? Do you walk with that kind of swagger? Seriously, do you walk with that kind of confidence? Do you walk with that kind of boldness? That this God is with you and he says, I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. I believe him. And so because I believe him, I act as though it's so and do what he says. And it all comes to pass. Just like he said. It all comes to pass just like you say, because I just believe it. So you got to see is God's word is God having a personal conversation with you. You take it that, that literal. This is God talking to me. God talking to me. Can you say amen? amen. All right. Psalm. Psalm was just to be an opening scripture here. But it's just turned into the whole thing because it's just all so good, isn't it? That's speaking in tongues. It's Mark 16. Verse 6, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. That word dominion means absolute rule and authority. You have made him, mankind, to have absolute rule and authority over the works of your hands. Well, that explains why a lot of the works of his hands are in a big mess. Well, see, God, you know, God does these things. No, friend, you've messed things up. I'm not talking about you personally. I'm just talking about you as humans. Humans have messed things up. And they can mess. How many of you know humans can mess things up? 
Of course they can. Why? Because they have dominion over it all. They have absolute rule and authority over the works of his hands. The works of his hands are our responsibility. So we can't sit here and say, you know, God's up to something. He's doing something we just don't understand when we see evil taking place. See, God's got a plan. He's got this evil thing that he's doing so that he can bring about good. No. No, no, no. Humans who have dominion over the works of his hands do evil things. They plot and plan and do evil things. And there's an evil demon that will empower them. See, they have supernatural help too. They got a spirit that will back them up. So we need to understand, evil things happen because there are evil demons in this world that people give place to, that people release in and through their life. But that's okay, because there's people here. They're called the church. They're called the church. They're the people of God. And they yield to God and release his ability and his power. So they even know a devil might get his hands on something to mess it up. Because mankind let him do it, you and I have the authority to cast him out. Drive him out. Render his works null and void. Null and void. That's why he said over through the prophet Isaiah. And again, through the prophet Isaiah. Notice that. We know what God said because he said it through a man. I got news for you. The Bible didn't fall out of heaven. And if God wants to get you his word, he'll get it to you. Thanks. He just drop. He just drop it out of heaven. No, that ain't gonna happen. That's Greek mythology. Things dropping out of heaven. Oh, it just dropped out of heaven, and there it was. Oh, the sea just split. There it goes. No, humans have to stretch out their hands. Split C, they have to stretch out their hand and write. Write Bible. Give us the word of God. God works through people. We got to get that. But that's exciting. See, God works through me. Can you say it? Why? Because you're a people. You're not just a people. You're the people of God. Hallelujah. And the people of God are the people of his eye. That's just who we are. Somebody say, I have dominion over the works of his hands. So even though there's people out there yielding to the devil, people, mankind, doing terrible things to the earth, if the people of God, people of God will rise up with the word of God and do what God tells them to do, it'll turn the whole thing around. It'll turn the whole thing around. Even though Pharaoh is plotting and planning... To come and destroy the children of Israel. And it looks like they're trapped. If they'll just do what God says. If they'll just have faith in God. Do what he says. He will split the sea and bring them through. Can you say amen? Oh, praise God. So we need to pray for people. That they do what God says. That's why he said... Through Tim, he said, pray for all men and all who are in authority. Pray what? Pray that they yield to God. Pray that they do the right thing. I think of Queen Esther. She, was, she became queen 
but she had been positioned in that place of authority for a purpose. Her uncle, uncle understood the purpose. Again, there was a plot to destroy all of God's people throughout the land. Destroy them. And uh, the uncle turned to the queen who was being quiet and she's safe in the palace, you know. He says, don't you think that you're going to be any safer in that palace from what's this destruction that's coming. For if you remain silent, God will raise up deliverance from somewhere else. Deliverance will arise from somewhere else, but you and your household will perish. For who knows whether you've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. You need to lift your voice. You need to take your place. You need to use that authority, that seat that's been given you, and you need to get busy. You need to do something about this. Well, I'm just going to sit here and be quiet, and I just trust God's going to take care of everything. It don't work that way. God sets people in places that need to take care of business. And then God will split seas. God will do awesome, mighty deeds. He'll do great and wonderful things. But that's why we pray for people. We pray for one another. Lord, help them to yield to the Holy Spirit. Help them to yield to you. Lord, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. God, open our eyes. Give us understanding of you. Help us to see who you are in us and through us. Help us to yield ourselves to you, God. Help us to be obedient. Help us to repent. Get things out of our life that's getting in the way, that's blinding us to your way, your path, your will. Lord, help us to get cleaned up. Think right so that we can have what's right in our lives. We pray for one another because we have to yield. We don't just say, oh, God bless them. Lord, help them to receive your blessing. Help them to speak your word. Help them to walk in the truth because we all have a part to play. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God forever. And thank God, you know, we can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. But how many people know the sick will just get sick again if they don't know how to walk by faith for themselves? You can bless somebody, but the blessing comes on them. And if they just continued to live contrary to the blessing and they live more that is in line with what brings curses, they're going to end up cursed again. So they have to make the adjustment. Get them blessed, get them straightened up, get them healed, and then help them. To live right, to walk right. Just like Jesus said, he said to one person who received healing, the guy was healed, and Jesus said to him, now sin no more lest a worse thing come on you. You know, now live us, don't live that way anymore. I want you to live right now. So this, that can't come back on you, or a worse thing come back on you. See, he wants us free. He's our liberator. We know that. We need to know that, like, I mean, more than anything else. God wants us free. God's got, we got his attention. Man, he is all over this. He sees everything that's going on. He loves me so much. He's never misguided me. He is not misleading me. He didn't bring me this far to slay me out here in front of a Red Sea. Now, he didn't bring me this far and direct me to do all these things so I could just sit here and die on the beach, be slaughtered by my enemies. Huh? Just like the children of Israel, even they got through the sea. He didn't bring them through the Red Sea for them to just die out there in the wilderness. He had a promised land for them. He had a land of abundance for them. Man, he had a place uh, prepared for them where they'd be a great light to this world. Where they can affect the nations. I got news to you. God's all about the nations. 
He's all about the nations. He's got us here to affect the nations. He wants to so affect or infect your life that it it's, in, it, it's infectious and it spreads throughout the nations. Hallelujah. The whole world sees the glory of God that you've been crowned with. Hallelujah. The honor that's been put on your life. He's made you to have dominion, absolute rule, and authority over the works of his hands. You, Lord, have put all things under his feet. Man, that's good news right there. Can I share one more thing with you? I was praying one night, crying out to God, crying out to God. It was night after night I was crying out to God. This is years ago. I mean, the enemy was doing some real harassing things. I mean, there were symptoms in my body. There were all kinds of stuff going on. And I'd, I'd get up, and I was being awakened by this evil presence. It was like a demon was there in our room. And I'd wake up, and I'm like, man, I want to sleep. I'm tired. And I'd try to go back to sleep, and then my thoughts would say, there's a demon standing in your room. You don't need to be sleeping right now. Oh my God. So I get up, I go out and I go in the other room, I sit down there, actually on the little coffee table. And I actually was going on every night. I was, I was trying to pray every night. I was trying to cry out to God every night. It was just so weak and pitiful. Just so weak and pitiful. I'm just trying to cry out to him. I'm half tired. I have no real utterance to pray. It's just nothing's there, but yet I can't sleep because there's a demon that's trying to kill me. So I finally, I'm sitting there. I said, Lord, this, this one night, I said, Lord, I said, I said, we need your help. I said, I'm under an attack here. You know, under the attack of the devil. I said, I'm under an attack. I mean, the whole church is under an attack. I can feel it. And this came right back at me immediately. This was not my thought, but yet it ended up in my mind. Under my feet. Under my feet. I see. What did we just read? Verse 6. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Put all things under his feet. Well, that would include the devil, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Especially after that, Jesus whipped the devil, defeated the devil, gave us the name of Jesus to cast out the devil. Friend, I got news for you. The devil's under your feet. Lord, we're under an attack. I could feel it. The whole church is under an attack. I mean, I'm interceding for the church, you know. He says, under my feet. Under my feet. That word came so strong to my mind, I knew it wasn't my thought. I knew that was his thought in my mind. I stood up. I said, wait a second. It feels like I'm under an attack. I've heard it taught that we can be under an attack. I've heard people say things like, you go to a new level with God, you get a new devil. A new level, new devil. You know, it gets tougher as you go, you know. That's not Bible, but people say those things. It gets easier as you go. Because your faith is growing. And overcoming becomes easier and easier and easier. And you just say, shut up and get out. Quiet, go, leave, devil, in the name of Jesus. Right? You're speaking the word. It gets easier as you go. If you're doing the right thing, it gets easier as you go. So I'm standing there, and I go, wait a second. I just heard this under my feet. And I know that's the Bible. It's also in Ephesians chapter 2. 
I said, I've, I, I, it feels like I'm under attack. I've heard told we could be under attack, but the Bible says the devil is under my feet. And then I said, so if the devil is under my feet, I can't be under his attack. Bing, see the lights just came on. If the devil's under my feet, then I'm not under his attack. See, somebody's under somebody. And the, it feels like this, but the Bible says, God says the devil is under my feet. I said, devil, you're under my feet. I'm going to bed. I went in my room, went right to sleep, slept like a baby, wasn't woken up another night since. Hallelujah. Well, I see, because I had a revelation. He's under my feet. I, it wouldn't matter at that point if he came in the room with red lights flashing and smoke appeared and he came in with horns and horror. I would have looked at him and said, do you mind? Get out of here. I'm going to sleep. Sleep right through the whole thing. Sleep right through the whole thing. Sleep right through the entire storm. Isn't that what Jesus did? They're out there on a boat. The boat's taking water. It looks like it's sinking, but Jesus is sound asleep. Why? Because his father cares for him. His father knows. I got news for you. The father knows more than you know. I said he knows more than you know, and he cares. He cares. Praise God. Hallelujah. And he has seen ahead. He has provided. Sometimes the best thing faith can do is go to sleep. But just go to sleep in faith. Hallelujah. Not just going to sleep and being lazy and being passive, but going to sleep in faith, resting, trusting, rejoicing in God. Can you say amen? Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say, I got dominion in this earth, in this world, over the works of the devil, over all the works of God's hand. I have a partnership with Almighty God. God is with me. He's not against me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me and gave his life for me. No weapon. Remember we brought up Isaiah before? I never got to it, but here it is. Isaiah said, no weapon formed against you will prosper. It won't prosper. It won't prosper. The enemy can form it against you, but it won't prosper. Why? Because we're the righteousness of God, and we can nullify it. We can nullify it. Anything the devil, any kind of curse that's spoken against your life, you can nullify it. But you do have to nullify it. You can't just remain silent. you got to nullify it. Say, I nullify every curse that the devil or any human that would yield to the devil has ever spoken over my life. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm right with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. I am right with God. I follow God. I yield to God. I obey God. And I got God. And all His power, all His splendor, All his glory manifesting through my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a shout. Praise God. Hallelujah. Woo, thank you, Lord. That concludes this message. 
For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.